period. I gotta punctuate it. I said I loved your shirt, but behind your back I said I hate it. The lightning strike me down if I lie, me no one be around when my tongue's untied. Everybody says it's okay. All the little things I say with my big fat mouth. So here's the one little thing that's hidden, right? Our tongue, our mouth. And so we're going to be talking about this for the month. Um, I think this may be possibly one of the most helpful series um, that we'll ever do in your life because I believe in the potential of this so much. If you can figure this out, you can figure out a lot of things in life. Uh, before we jump into part one, I want to say welcome all those tuning online. Thanks for tuning in. If you're traveling, hey, safe travels. Glad you can tune in this week and catch up to what's going on here at the Grove. Um, this um, series about the mouth uh, is huge, all right? Uh, we're going to jump into a book uh, in the New Testament. Towards the end of the New Testament, it's called the book of James. Uh, and the book of James uh, really is known as the wisdom book of the New Testament. So in the Old Testament, you have Proverbs, which is full of wisdom from Solomon and other kings and other leaders. And just there's, there's some gold in there. If, you, if you've never read the Bible and you want to go somewhere, Proverbs, James are two great books to start in because there's a lot of um, easy application to say, if, if you begin to do these things, you'll see change dramatically in your life because of wisdom, right? And so it's a wisdom book. Well, wisdom, this is how we can define it. The easiest definition of wisdom is wisdom is the ability to navigate life. So when in life, when you face difficult challenges, um, being able to navigate it means you have wisdom. And when you know somebody that's really wise, it's always like, man, how do they know what to do in those moments? Because they have wisdom. At some point, they've learned, they've, they've got understanding, they've got knowledge, and they know how to apply it to be able to make those wise choices, right? So they, they learn how to navigate it. And so in, in, our, in this series, it's going to be a, really a series on wisdom because we're trying to teach you how to navigate those things in life. And really, this is one of the most important starting places is when it comes to navigating life is being able to, to know the importance of, of our mouth, of our tongue. All right. And so James, this is the book we're going to jump, to, jump into. and We're going to start in the third chapter of James. So if you're new to church and don't maybe um, um, haven't been for a while or never, never have, uh, at the bottom there, you'll see James 3, that's the chapter, and then 1 through 12 is the verses. And then it says NIV, that just stands for New International Version. So sometimes we'll have different uh, acronyms, different, different uh, terms up there, like message, MSG for message. Those are translations of the Bible, right? So if you weren't familiar with that, that's what those are. And we'll use different translations and different messages because um, it helps to see how different uh, translators have approached that sentence, all right? And it's good to just uh, sometimes read different ones because you can get, get a, a better sense of what they're trying to communicate. So some translators, they communicate just the heart of it. They don't do literal word for word. It's kind of like, here's the, the point they're driving home. Other translations are word for word, which can be kind of like, wow, this, you know, because they're trying to translate just like, like very literal. And it's um, um, sometimes it doesn't flow in English. And so that's why some of those translations are hard to understand. NIV is a great one. It's very simple. But here's the book of James. And um, James may be maybe the greatest um, argument for the validity of Scripture and even for Jesus. All right. Here's why. Um, there's a lot. Of, I think there's a lot of uh, valid points as you read through the New Testament of why Jesus is the Messiah, why he's the Son of God, and uh, that he was God. All right, because there's a lot of sometimes question that, like, well, really was he God? Is the Bible really, you know, um, can we believe it? Well, let me tell you about James. All right, so James is one of those proofs that I would say, hey, if you're if you're ready to question this, like, here's something you need to know about the Bible. It's incredible. So James is the brother of Jesus. All right, James is the brother of Jesus. And before Jesus died on the cross, James didn't believe that Jesus was God. 
he thought he was probably delusional, probably just had this uh, um, this this mindset of, you know, not thinking he was something different than he was. So James didn't believe. How many of you guys know it's really hard and difficult to convince your brothers or sisters of something, right? Um, especially, like, if you're trying to convince them you were God. Like, how many of you guys convince your brothers or sisters that you're God? Yeah, I'm with you, right? My brother and sister would be like, man, I grew up with you, and you're not God. I've seen you through all those, those difficulties, right? You're not God. Well, this was James. He's like, all right, I, this is my brother. He's Jesus. He's not God. Well, something happened. Jesus told all his disciples and others that would hear about it, and they, they would hear about what Jesus is talking about, said, hey, guys, in a few days I'm going to die on a cross um, under the hands of the Romans, and, um, after, but, but don't worry, because after I die, three days later, I'm going to come back to life. I'm going to rise again, and it's, it's for your benefit, and it's for your sake, and, and, he, and he tells the disciples what's going to take place. And he dies on the cross. We celebrate Easter because of that, right? It's good, bad, good Friday, which would have been a bad Friday for them, but good Friday, he dies. Easter Sunday, he comes back to life. Well, after he comes back to life, he doesn't just come back to life, but he shows up in different people's houses and different communities. And there's all these eyewitnesses that saw him after he was dead for three days and came back to life. So not only did he say he's going to die, but he came back to life. I would follow that guy because not only did he predict it and tell you it's going to happen, but it came true. And then um, he begins to share. Well, something happened in the life of James. He went from being a skeptic, from being somebody who didn't believe in, in Jesus as God, to being somebody who says, wow. I'm not only going to believe in Jesus, I'm willing to stake my life on this, which in fact, he's known as James the Just. He actually gave his life as a martyr because he believed so much in the message of Jesus and what it does to people's lives that he did that. Well, he also wrote to, to different Christians in his, time, in his day, and that's where we get the book of James. So he went from not believing in Jesus to being one of the, the greatest uh, supporters and people that take the gospel out and one of the main leaders in the, in the early church, which is incredible. That story in itself is pretty amazing that he said, okay, I'm behind this guy now. He, he really is who he says he was. I, I, I doubted it for a while, but I'm all in. And he went all in. Well, he starts off in the, in the third chapter of his book. Um, and, it, and notice that the title of that chapter is Taming the Tongue. Uh, the Bible, the scriptures have a lot to say about the mouth and about speech and the things we say. Um, in fact, every chapter in James, it'll talk about speech or our mouth. And uh, if you read through it, maybe this month, read through James. That'd be great. Uh, you'll begin to see how, how in wisdom he's saying, hey, pay attention to this because it's, a, it's a really important you don't miss this. Book of Proverbs, almost every chapter has something to say about speech, the mouth, what others are saying, what we're saying, how it affects our lives. And throughout Scripture, over and over, God is concerned with our mouth because he knows it's an it's important thing. So this is what he says. He says, uh, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that, you, that we who teach will be judged more strictly. So he's saying, hey, pay attention here, right? And why would you know, start about talking about the mouth, start off with teaching? Because teachers use their mouth more than anybody else. So today I'm standing up here. I'm speaking than anybody else, more than anybody else is speaking, right? So which means I'd be paying attention here because I will be judged more strictly because of the words that I speak. So pay attention. He says, we all stumble in many ways. Is that, is that a true statement? Anybody agree with that? All of us struggle in different ways. We all stumble. We got all the issues. We mess up. That's why we have groups, right, to help us work through our issues, to be able to get better and become better. He says, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who, who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. So James makes a statement. If you want to know how to be perfect in your life and have perfect relationships and have great relationships and, and be successful, just learn how not to be at fault with what you say is what he says. And if you do that, you'll be able to keep your whole body in check. So he's saying, this little small thing that we have here, right, this little muscle inside our mouth called the tongue, and these lips that contain that, the, the, the jaw that contains that, like the cage there, if we can learn to control that and manage that and be disciplined in that, we'll actually be able to control everything else in our life. Wow, that's a pretty powerful statement. Then he says, but let me, let me illustrate this for you. 
When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. I mean, horses, how much do horses weigh? I don't know. There's this really big mammoth animal, right? And then you see the guys, that, that, that the horses that are racing around the track, and they have this little jockey on it, which weighs like, what, 50 pounds? Maybe a little more? I don't know. What do jockeys weigh? 100 pounds? They, they don't weigh a lot. That's the point, right? Or you see a little kid on a horse, and they have the reins. You're like, big animal, little person. How is it that they can control that animal? Well, it's, it's the bit in the mouth with the reins. They, they pull this way, and it turns, right? You control that mat. You pull back, and it stops. So he's saying, we put bits in the mouths of these horses. In fact, we believe horses are so powerful, we even talk about our engines in, in terms of horses, right? How much horses do you have under that hood, right? Horsepower. It's like, we know horses are powerful. So how many, how, how many horses do you have in that hood, right? It's, like, it's a way of saying these things are powerful animals, yet they're directed by a very small thing. Or take another big thing, a ship, for example, the biggest ship you can think of, although they are large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to take them, wants them to go. So this big thing, ship, the rudder, small little thing in the back, it, it controls and, and directs where that ship is going. Likewise, he continues on, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what, great a, what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. You used to see in the news when the forests are burning, you know, the forest fires we had a, a couple years ago in California, the last couple of years, uh, the ones in, in the Amazon is taking place, right, in, in, our, in our state every now and then takes place. Those, those fires start by a very, very small spark. Just one little spark can turn into a huge forest fire that burns thousands and thousands of acres. In fact, on October 8th, 1871, uh, the story goes there was a lady, Miss, Miss O'Leary. She was milking her cow uh, one, one night, and the cow, while she's milking, kicks over a lantern. And the, as he kicks over the lantern, it starts a fire in their barn, which then begins to spread in the city of Chicago. Uh, the fire is known as the, 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 um, the, great, the great Chicago fire, and it burns the whole city. It lasts for three days. Um, it cost the city, in their day, $222 million to repair everything. In our day, more accurately, would, that would be $4.593 billion to repair what took place in that. One cow kicked over one lantern, which started a, a small fire, which turned into this massive fire, which caused a lot of destruction right words they're like he's saying words our tongue is like a small part but it's, it's it has the ability to even cause damage the tongue also is a fire a world world of evil among the parts of the body it corrupts the whole body sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell it sets the whole course of one's life on fire if your life and your relationships are on fire and they're burning and they've been burned they've been killed you know the power of the tongue. A lot of times those relationships have been set on fire because of what was spoken. Um, words, they hurt, right? Words, they sting. Some words we never forget. In fact, some of the words that have been spoken to you maybe as a kid from authority figures or parents, uh, which in parents and authority figures is important. We use our words very carefully because they carry, they're, they're, there's a lot of weight that comes with them. But they still even burn, right? They've scorched you with those words. and they, You think of them, they still even burn a little bit. It's like how those words hurt because words are powerful. He said it sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and itself is set by, on fire by hell. And that hell means that the influence of, of the evil one. It's like, it's like we, we've been influenced to be able to cause destruction because of that. And, but then he's not done yet, right? So now he's talked about bits and rudders and, and horses and all that and stuff and fire, right? And how our, it's comparing our, our mouths to what it can cause. He goes on and says, 
uh, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. So he goes on and says, we've, we've been able to train a lot of animals. You know, have you ever seen a lion in the cage with, a, uh, with one of the, the ringmasters, lion tamers, right? He's a whip. He's got a stool, right? And, and other things that can make him do tricks and things or elephants that make him. We, we could train all these animals um, how to do things. We say, yet humans have this, this struggle with being able to just stop ourselves from saying really dumb things that cause a lot of pain. He even says poison. What, what, what has poison in our world? Snakes, right? It's like a snake. Like, like our, our, we have the ability to even strike and hurt people and cause it. It's, there's a, it's a, it could be a very dangerous thing. And really the truth is, is, is poison is coming out of a snake because that's what's in a snake, right? It can only give what it has, so it's giving the poison that it is. So he's, it's, he's saying, how, how can we tame this, this thing? He says, and then he goes on and says, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and our Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in, the like, in God's likeness. So James wrote this about 2,000 years ago. He wrote to people. He's writing to, to other Christians. So he's, he's writing to them saying, hey, guys, you know, um, some of us are saying good things about God, but then we're cursing others. Like, uh, this, is, this is not good, right? And, and, and it's, it's so interesting that over 2,000 years, it's so good to know that we as humans have evolved where this is not an issue for any of us anymore, right? Like we're, we're perfect beings. It's like, no, 2,000 years later, this still applies to you and me. We haven't outgrown this. We haven't fi- many people have not figured this out. And he's saying if you could figure this out, it'll help. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. So he's saying we have to pay attention to what's coming out of our mouth. It's, it's, it, 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 there's, there's potential to cause harm. There's potential to cause destruction. There's potential to kill relationships, to kill others with your words. There's a lot of potential there to hurt people. But he doesn't stop. He's still not done. He says, all right, let's keep going. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? No. My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or grapevines bear figs? No, they bear what they're supposed to. Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. What is his point? His point is saying in our lives, what, what's, what's coming out of our mouth is an indication. Uh, um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to impact the direction of our life, where we're heading, where we're going. In fact, the next line he says, who is wise among you? He asks a question. Like if you, who, who, who wise among you? Who, is, who are those people that have learned how to navigate life? He's hinting at the fact that some, if, if you are, you have figured out how to manage this, what to do with this. By ourselves, we can't. But with God, it is possible to learn how to rein this in. So um, this month, we're going to talk about that, give some tools, uh, challenge us to say, let's pay attention to this one small thing that makes maybe one of the biggest difference in our lives. Pay attention to it. I would say that James is saying this with our life. There will not be an issue in your life that you cannot deal with if you can control your tongue. If somebody can control their tongue, man, there's a lot other issues they'll be able to deal with because it starts here. This is what causes so many fights. This is what causes so many destructive relationships and has hurt so many. Our mouth is our biggest problem. And James is saying, if you'll fix this first, all the other things in your life will begin to work a lot better. If you'll fix this, man, it's like a bit. You just have to control it like a, like a rudder. The tongue, how we use it is important. Uh, or we'll be guided by the tongue and it'll take us places that we really don't want to go. Um, so let me, let me, let me um, say it like this. This week, all right, if I was to offer you $10 for every single positive word that's life-giving, that encouraged others, that built them up, right? Uh, $10 for every word. Um, and and you, you speak that, I give you $10. But for every negative word, you had to give me $5 back. So $10 for positive words I give to you. You give me $5 for every negative word 
you speak back. At the end of this week, would you be rich or would you be poor? So would I be the rich one or would you be the rich one at the end of this week? Because of the words you spoke. $10. Anyone want to take me up on this challenge? Tell you what. I, you, every negative word, you just donate $5 to Bike for the Light. All right? Let's just, let's just settle that. Dill? All right, Dill. And every positive word you speak, I'll ride my bike for you. All right? We'll, we'll do good together. All right, 10 miles. Um, so would you be rich or poor? You know, if, if this was a true competition, I bet you this week, you would say very few negative words. You with me? Why? Because you're like, that could make me very rich. I'm going to say 100 positive things just today. Right? You are so awesome. Hey, you look good over there. You're doing a great job, cash register or ca- uh, cashier. You're awesome. I guess the register does a pretty good job, too. You know, waving at cops. You're like, you guys are awesome. I love you. You're so good. Right? You go the whole day trying to, trying to say as many positive things to earn as much money as you possibly could. And you would rein in those negative words. You'd be thinking, no, no, I don't, want, I don't have to give away something. Well, in your life, in your relationships, are you rich or are you poor? I can guarantee it's the same exact thing. If you're rich in relationships, it's because you've been speaking more positive, more life-giving things than you have negative things. And if you're poor in relationships, it's because you've been saying so many negative things, you have a negative relationship with other people. See, in a week, we can manage that and say, I can do this. Well, in a lifetime, your relationships are a picture of that. And what's coming out of your mouth affects all of that. This is why James says, pay attention. This is why Proverbs say, pay attention to what you're saying. Pay attention to the things you say. Don't miss out. Why? Because my big fat mouth gets me in trouble. Your big fat mouth gets you in trouble. So like, like you're talking about that lion, right? It's like we have this, this crazy animal inside our mouth, this tongue. And our mouth is like that cage that we need to learn to be able to close down and shut it off. Jesus says it like this about our mouth. In Luke 6:45, he says, um, a good man, he brings good things out of the good that's stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the, out of the evil that's stored up in his heart. The mouth speaks, read this with me, what the heart is full of. Your mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Another translation says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We can say it like this. The mouth is a faucet for the heart. What you turn on in your faucet, whatever's inside is going to come out, right? So you, you turn on your faucet at home, what comes out? Water. Why? Because there's water that's inside, that's down below, that's coming up. And you're, in your life... When you turn on that, that spigot in your mouth and you open it up, what comes out is an indication of what's inside. Your mouth is a faucet for your heart. And Jesus says, the good man, he brings forth good stuff out of the heart because it's in there. Which, which we pay attention to the mouth because it shows us our heart. And for, for this whole year, we've actually been talking, how do you get the right stuff in your heart? Well, it's what you think about. It's massive to the influence you take in. If you're only listening to certain influences that are negative, you can only expect negative things to get inside your heart. If somebody is, is cursing all the time, that didn't get there on accident. I was like, oh, I don't know where that came from. No, it came from your heart because you've allowed that come in. You've allowed those thoughts to be there. You dwelt on it so much that it became what you believe about yourself, about others. And, and the lies we tell ourselves are the worst lies. And the, and the things that we talk to ourselves about are the worst things sometimes that cause the most destruction. I heard one guy, he said, just give me 30 minutes with any single person, and I can tell you, I can know what's in that person's heart before we're done talking. 30 minutes. He says, that's all it'll take for me to figure out what's inside somebody's heart. Why? Because he knows that the mouth will reveal what's inside. You ever met somebody that's um, for the first time and the first thing they talk about is politics and how horrible things are and how we should, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever it is about whoever's in, in office. You know instantly what's in their heart, right? If that's the first thing they want to talk about and the first thing they want to argue about, whatever, it's like, I know what's in your heart. I can guarantee that the influences they have 
are, are those voices that are feeding them all the time and saying, what's here? And it gets in here, and then it just comes out through the mouth. So what are the words you're speaking? What, what, pay attention this week. What are those things that you've been speaking about yourself, to yourself, to others? Are, are they positive words or are they negative words? Do I owe you money or do you owe me money? In your relationships, are you rich in a relationship? Or are you struggling and maybe a little poor in relationships? I can guarantee a lot of it has to do with what we speak, what we say. Proverbs, Solomon says like this, words kill or words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. Words kill, words give life. They're either poison or they're fruit. The choice is yours. How about you? What, what, what kind of words do you want to speak this week? Poison, killing people, or fruit, giving life and reaping something that's really good? Um, you know, there's, um, um, there's, our words can get us in a lot of trouble. Right? A lot of wars have been fought over words. And by the way, our mouth, um, our thumbs are just an extension of our tongue. Right? In our culture, our thumbs become an extension of our, our tongue. So on Facebook, on your text messaging, on your Twitter, on your Instagram, if you're not careful, th- those are indications of really what's in your heart also. Right? So it's not just the things you speak. It's the things you speak through your whatever, any social media, anything you're writing. Those are just ways to use words. All right? And that, that, that applies to the same principle. Like Pay attention to your words that you're saying um, because they're, in, they're showing what's at the heart. Words kill, words give life. Words, words have led a lot of countries and a lot of people to wars and, and, uh, and caused a lot of people to die because of the words that were spoken. In my relationships, I think of the words that I've, I've spoken that, that caused fights. And, and, um, and I can look back and mom, the moment that the word's leaving my mouth, it's kind of like you're like, no, come back to me. And it's like too late, right? Because your words are faster than your reaction. And by the time it's the other person's ears, it's like, oh, yeah, boxing gloves on, let's go, Right? Those words cause a lot of destruction and harm. You know, the wrong word at the wrong time can actually kill. It's like the story of a man after work. He went, went to the bar and went to go uh, just kind of wind down for the day. And um, as he's there, you know, he's kind of just in his, his, into his old his, himself. And he's like, you know what? It's kind of, kind of a little down. I just need to tell a joke or something. So he looks at the bartender and says, hey, can I tell you a, a, a joke? Um, he's like, sure. He's like, yeah, I want, can I tell you a blonde joke? Is that all right? The bartender says, hey, 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 be careful of those blonde jokes. He's like, and the guy's just not paying attention. He's like, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, the, 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 the bouncer over there, he's blonde. He weighs 250 50 pounds. He's a black belt. Um, he could kill you. That guy down the, down the thing, he's a rugby player, and, you know, he weighs whatever, and he could probably break your neck with, you know, a little pinky or something. He's like, he's blonde. He's like, this guy over here names five guys. He says, I'm blonde myself. He's like, so, mister, do you still want to tell that blonde joke? And the guy thinks to me and says, no, I don't want to have to explain it five times. If you're blonde, I love you, all right? <laughs> Words, they can kill, they can hurt, right? I love blonde people, it's just a joke, all right? It's not true. You guys are intelligent, beautiful people. <laughs> what else can I say about blondes? So awesome. Let my words, oh, and <laughs> anyways, we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. Um, so words can get us in trouble. They can actually kill us in those moments, right? Um, and here's the, here's the truth I think that these scriptures are telling us is whoever controls the mouth controls the man or the woman. Whoever controls the mouth controls the man or the woman. So the question is, who's controlling your mouth? Is it your emotions? And when somebody does something to you, that the emotion just spills out and that the rage and the, ra- the anger comes out, well, then you're not in control. Your emotions are in control. Or when you speak about things like politics, is it Fox News or CNN or whatever other one you listen to? Are they the ones controlling your mouth? 
and it's all you're speaking out is the things you're hearing? Because whatever controls your mouth controls the person's life. And your life, if you're not going in a good direction, I guarantee it's tied to what you've been saying and what you, what you speak out. In fact, Psalms, this would be a... Our, just remember, our actions are always attached to the things that we speak. And negative words will never give us positive outcomes. Negative words never give us positive outcomes. Psalms 141, the psalmist, he actually sends a prayer to God. This would be a good prayer for us to pray like on a daily basis, maybe minute basis sometimes. Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. Like, God, help me not to say anything dumb, right? One of my mentors, whenever he was talking about something, he like, he's like, we shouldn't be talking about this. He'd tell himself, shut up, Carl, shut up. And like, he wasn't telling me, he was telling himself. So it's a good thing to tell you. Whatever your name is, like, shut up, Eric, just shut up, right? Maybe physically saying that would actually help you to, like, stop. He's saying, set a guard over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my, my lips. Do not let my heart be drawn to what is evil so that I take part in wicked deeds along with those who are evildoers. Do not let me eat their delicacies. In the Bible and scriptures, throughout over and over, whenever you see the tongue and the mouth, you always see the heart attached to it. There's a connection, a correlation between the two. The mouth is speaking what the heart is full of. You want to know why, why profanity is coming out of you? It's because you've placed it there. You've allowed it to be there. You want to know why negativity is coming out of you? Because you've allowed it, you focused on those things. You've allowed it to be there. Um, and here, here's maybe the biggest truth for, for myself that I realized looking back is in my life, I've never got myself into trouble for the words I've never spoken, Right? We don't get in, tr- in trouble for the words we speak. No, not, we, I mean, we get in trouble for the words that we speak, not for the ones that we keep, right? In your life, you've never gotten into a fight because of what you didn't say. You always get into a fight because of what you do say. In my life, looking back, if I, the words I keep myself, like, man, this is probably not a good time to say that, has saved me a lot of fights, right? Saved me a lot of d- d- misunderstandings. Has kept me away from, from causing harm to others um, because I'm, I'm paying attention, I'm thinking, I'm stepping back. So what we, what we say is really, really important. Um, think of, think of your, your week, right? Even this last week. What are those conversations? How do they go? If, if they didn't go well, most likely because this was in control and it was just revealing what was there. And you, weren't, you weren't guarding it, weren't, weren't disciplined in your, in your words. Well, James, the brother of Jesus, he gives us some insight. In James 1, the first chapter of the book, and, and every, remember every chapter he talks about the tongue somewhat and the mouth. This is what he says about some, some answers. Okay, so what do we do? Uh, what do we do with this? How do we, how do we learn to rein in our, our talk and in our, in, in our mouth and our control it? Well, he says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to what? Say it one more time. Quick to listen. So everybody should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Everybody say slow. Slow, right? Um, when I was growing up, I remember they saying, when you're, when you're issues, like just, if you're really upset, just count to 10. You know, before you say anything dumb, just count to 10. Well, my kids watch this, this program called Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. And uh, this, little, this little tiger has this song when he's upset. It's like just if, if you're ever mad and you want to roar and you get up, whatever, it's like just, just count to four. Right? They, they figure it out. It doesn't even take ten seconds. It takes like just four seconds. Back off. Take your foot off the gas, right? Slow down. Don't respond. Just pause before you say something dumb. Rain in your tongue. Don't let the emotions take over. That's what James is saying here. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Why? Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. See, when it comes to life, our rightness is us being right, winning the fight, winning the argument, right? Making ourselves look better. Um, it's all about us and me, right? That's, that's our rightness. But God's saying his righteousness is a different standard. And what he wants for our lives is much better. He's saying human anger will never produce that. Only us being able to control ourselves. And he says it by this, by being quick to listen, slow 
to speak. You know, there are um, lawyers who, when, when, when their clients are up on, on, the, on the stand to testify and they're getting, you know, attacked by the other lawyer or asking, being asked questions, they actually teach them, a lot of them will teach them to put their hands open on their, when they're sitting underneath with their hands open like this on top of their lap. Uh, because they know that human nature, whenever a confrontation comes up, our tendency is to close up. Our tendency is to get in this kind of position, right? Our tendency is ready to fight. He says, so if, if they will actually open their hands and release that, fight against that, that, that urge, that tendency to close up, if they'll actually release and just open up their hands, they'll be more open to what the other person is saying is not assumed so much. When you're in this position and somebody says something, you're already ready figuring out how to, how to counter that, right? You're not listening to see what's the intent, what are they really trying to say, are they really trying to help me, or, or is there something here that I can learn from? No, it's like, oh yeah, gloves are on, let's go, you and me. And our fights start that way because we're actually quick to speak and slow to listen. James is saying, learn to be quick to listen. So, so this, this week, like if, if you get emotional and something comes up, just like open your hands. Like look at your hands and be like, okay, I'm going to open them up. If you're in a conversation with somebody at work and they're starting to get, starting to get heated, pay attention to your hands. Because instead of doing this, instead of putting them behind, just open them up. And be really intentional. Like, okay, in this moment, I'm going to be slow to speak. I'm going to be quick to listen. I'm going to be quick to listen. I'm going to be slow to sleep, speak. I'm going to slow down a little bit. In our lives, if we will practice this, we'll avoid a lot of misunderstandings. Uh, so my challenge this week is actually that. Would you be quick to listen and slow to speak? Quick to listen, slow to speak. Quick to what? Listen and slow to speak. If you'll learn to be able to do that, James has given us some, some hints and insights into how to be the kind of person that, that reigns in the tongue, reigns in the mouth, so we can have success in our life. Uh, this last week I was reading a book. It's called Multipliers. And this lady is talking about how with, with our words and things we say, we can actually multiply impact in people's lives and make a lot of good, or we can diminish and bring a lot of damage. And um, um, she, she was talking about this, this, this story where one day her and her coworker were talking about family. They're, they're talking about their kids, and, and she's kind of she's venting a little bit to her coworker and her friend because she says, man, when I get home, you know, trying to get them ready for school, get everything ready, it just seems like I'm always on them, just writing, like, do this, do this, do this, do this. And she's kind of just venting, really not wanting advice, but um, just, just asking for, just to let out. And, and her, her friend responds, well, he, she, he says, you know, I used to be like that. And he says, um, what we, he says, can I challenge you with something? She said, I guess, what? He said, this week, don't ask them to do anything. She's like, well, that's not good parenting advice, you know? Let your kids do whatever. He says, no, no, Just He says, instead of telling them something, just ask them a question. Just ask them a question. And he says, and see what happens. And she's like, all right, I'll take your challenge. So for that whole week... When she got home that night, she got there and she says, hey, kids, uh, do you guys know what, what time it is? Well, yeah, mom, it's this time. All right, what, what are we supposed to be doing at this time? We're supposed to do this. And, and, and the whole night she just asked questions. So, hey, kids, um, it's, it's 8 o'clock. What do we do at 8 o'clock? Well, we, we put our pajamas on and brush our teeth, mom. All right. And then, and then what do you do? And then we kiss you and we go lay down and read a book. All right. And, and then what? And then we go to sleep. And she said that night, she went, she went home to, uh, after it was done, she says, man, how long have my kids known what to do already? Like, they already know what to do. And she said that whole week, all she did was ask a question. All she did was she was quick to listen, slow to speak. She didn't just jump in. And she said it changed her whole parenting style. And in this book, she's writing about it. She says, now I realize that a lot of people around me, they already know what. And, and when, I, when they say something, she says, I misinterpret or I assume something because I'm quick to speak back and I'm slow to listen. She said, but when I ask a clarifying question, it actually makes me quick to listen. Like, wait, what did you mean by that? What did you mean by I'm a jerk? 
right? Okay, maybe not that way. That was a bad way to ask the question. So how am I being a jerk in this situation, right, to the to somebody else, whatever, your, your coworker or whatever, your wife, all right? So how, what, what's going on here? You ask a clarifying question. It slows you down a little bit. I said just responding with emotion, responding with whatever you want. This is the point James is making. If you're quick to listen and you're slow to speak, the outcomes of your life will be a lot better. And then he says there's power, life and death in, the, in, in our tongue, right? Power to kill, power to give life. If we'll be kind of, become the kind of people who actually encourage and give life, we'll actually find out that we're very rich in a lot of ways, not just monetarily, but with relationships. Because the words we speak, they, they direct our lives. This week, where do you want your life to end up? End of the week, you going to owe me money or am I going to owe you money? Are you going to be rich or am I going to have a really big bike for light account going on because of the words we spoke? Same principle applies in all of life. You want to be rich this week? Learn to control your mouth. Today as we end our service, I want to give an opportunity because there are some people in this room who uh, maybe you're new to church, maybe you're coming back to church for a long time, or maybe you're here. And you know, um, James talked about how our, our life has been set on fire by the words we speak. And you're here today and your life is on fire. Your relationships are on fire. Things are just being destroyed, probably because of what you've spoken, but just the choices you've made. And today it's not an accident you're here because I talk about this. I really believe God is saying, hey, if you get... If you want to have better results in your life, you need to learn to let me lead. And that's what being a, a Jesus follower is. It's saying, Jesus, you lead. I come behind as your disciple and follow. And he teaches us how to navigate life. He gives us wisdom. He, he leads us on this journey to, to know his ways better. In fact, if your life has been set on fire and there's a lot of death that's come from the words and you just don't like the outcomes that are happening, you don't like what's happening in your life, today I think God would say, hey, come back. Let me help you on this journey. In fact, what I mean by come back is the Bible uses the word repentance. It means that when we're on this road walking the wrong way, and there's this moment we realize, like, I'm on the wrong road walking the wrong way. We say, God, forgive me for this direction. Forgive me my choices. The Bible says repentance means to return to God or to turn to God, to turn around. And we say, God, I want to go your way. And they say, God, lead me on this journey. That's what a Jesus follower is. It's somebody just saying, all right, I don't want to go my own way. I want to go your way. And repentance means that we stop doing those things and we say, God, I want to start doing these things. We, we were, we're quick to listen, slow to speak. Those kind of ideas. Throughout scripture over and over, just fall, start following their lead. Well, today, some of you are going the wrong direction. Today, I want to lead you in an opportunity to say, God, I want to start a relationship where I can go the right direction. I want to invite you into my life. Let him lead and guide your life. So do me a favor. Close your eyes and bow your head today as we end our service. If that's you, you're here. And you'd say, you know what? That is me. I do not like the results. I don't like the outcomes. And today I want to turn that around. God, I, I want to ask God to lead me and direct me and help me on this journey. If that's you, I'm not going to lead you to tell you to come to the front. I'm just going to lead you in a prayer right there in your seat, right where you're sitting. But in a moment, I'm going to ask you if that's you. And, and um, you're not necessarily raising your hand to me. You're raising it to God saying, God, I need your help. I want your help. If that's you, would you right now, would you lift your hand and say, that's me. And I need God. I don't want the results I have. I want more of God in my life. Awesome. Awesome. Anybody else? So good. The best decision I ever made in my life is saying, God, you lead, I follow. God, I want wisdom. For all you raise your hand, I'm going to lead you to prayer. If you're a, a, a Jesus follower in this room, would you pray with us so that those that raise their hand are not praying alone? And just pray this prayer with me for you that raise your hand. Say this. Say, Father God, today 
I acknowledge I cannot do life without you. Forgive me of my past, of my sin, of my wrong. Lead me in a better direction, in your way. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on that cross so I could have a new life. Today, I put my trust in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, church, let's celebrate those that raised their hand for that prayer. So good.